Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The podcast ended its run in 2021, but all Fortune's Wheelhouse episodes remain available for all tarot explorers to enjoy. And we'll be periodically updating the intro and the outro with news and offerings from your co-hosts. The big news for me right now is that my latest book, The Living Tarot, is now out. This is the book version of my online class, which is also called The Living Tarot. Whether you go for the book or the class or both, the idea here is to help you recognize how the images in the cards relate to your everyday, ordinary life. As you master that language of fluent metaphor, you'll enter into a deep, rich conversation with the world of symbol. And that conversation, I personally believe, is the key to re-enchanting your own life. If you're new to tarot, this is the book that will get you up and running. And if you're an experienced reader already, it's meant to help fill in any remaining gaps that you might or might not realize that you have. And if you buy the book, you can send me a copy of the receipt for a $22 discount off the cost of the online living tarot class. If you're in the online class, you get a monthly Zoom meeting with me and other students, feedback from me on the major assignments, and if you graduate, a one-question reading from me. Oh my God, guys, it's such a good deal. If you'd like to send me your receipt, you can do that at tsusanchang.com slash livingtarotbook. tsusanchang.com slash livingtarotbook. Now, here's what Mel's been up to. She's just rebuilt her tarotcart.com website, which has a new info page about Thoth-inspired decks and a blog feature with weekly tarot articles. She also has a new auction site for one-of-a-kind creations, out-of-print items, prints, and original art, and that's at tarotcart.auction. Mel's first deck, the Rosetta Tarot, is back in a new large edition. It's the same size as the large edition of the Tabula Mundi Tarot, if you're familiar with that, and it has vibrant borders with English titles and correspondence symbols, and the card backs are printed with metallic ink. That's available at tarotcart.com. Mel will also soon be launching a new, ceremonially rendered, talismanic tarot. The major arcana are based on their descriptions in Alistair Crowley's 777, and the minors are based on the magical images of the Deccans, also from 777. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about Mel's new deck. For info about when the new tarot deck launches, and auction listings, and new tarot editions, and article links, and special sales, you can sign up for Mel's newsletter via the link at tarotcart.com. As for me, I've also just created a new thing I'd like to tell you about. You know the Nine of Swords in Rider-Waite-Smith? If you're like me, you may have noticed the beautiful blanket on the bed of the person having a nervous breakdown in that card. All my life, I've wanted that blanket, and recently, I created my own. It's got red roses, hand-drawn by me, and zodiacal glyphs on a blue patchwork background, and I made it while Mars was in the second decan of Gemini. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll know why that's important. You can purchase your very own Nine of Swords blanket at redbubble.com slash people slash tarotista slash shop. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, 
please consider supporting us on Patreon. Your monthly donations allow us to keep these episodes on the air for our many repeat listeners. And you also gain access to the archive of hundreds of posts and articles that we wrote for our original Patreon supporters. You can sign up for a one-time or recurring donation at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, thereby cementing your legacy as a superhero of the astral realm and earning our undying gratitude. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now... Here's this week's episode. You were brought here to be the burden bearer of aristocracy. Okay, are you ready for oppression? <laughs> we have arrived at the Ten of Wands. And as we've been saying in this sequence of Eight, Nine, and Ten of Wands, uh, to continue with the archery motif, we had uh, the swift flight of the arrow with the eight, we had the strength of the archer with the nine, and now with oppression, we have the target, uh, whoever the arrows were directed at. Um, it's oppression in both the Golden Dawns and Crowley's system. And like the other two cards, it's a, it's a double in a way. So in the Eight of Wands, we had a dual Mercury influence. In the Nine of Wands, we had a dual Moon influence. And in this card, because it's a 10, which is associated with Malkuth or Earth and the Universe card, which is both Earth and Saturn, and it's also the ruler of the Deccan is Saturn. So it's right. like double Saturn. All Saturn, Earth, all the time. Earth putting out the fire. And it's appropriate that the fire is about to be put out because this is the last card of the suit. Mm -hmm. It's the very end. And, and if, you know, we talk about tens as being a bit overripe or just about done. And, uh, and this is like where we get the last ashes. Yeah. I guess we could go right into a little bit about the tens and Kabbalah, because mm -hmm. one of the things that's interesting about the 10 is on the tree of life, it's kind of like dangling down at the bottom. And it's mm -hmm. said that it's not really in communication with the rest of the tree in the same way as the right. everything above it is. Right. It's almost enclosed in its own little capsule. I think it might have been uh, Lon Milo Duquette who called it the dingleberry. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I went there. No, it's okay. It's fine if Lon Milo Ducat said yeah, it. You know, right, we, we right. worship him. So. <laughs> so the cool thing or interesting thing about tens to me, because they're there at the end of the suit where the element is about to pass away, each of the tens is also, in a sense, connected to the ace of the world below it. Yes. And tens are usually pretty difficult in some way. Every ten, though, has the possibility of a breakthrough from the lowest of one world into the highest of the next. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the ten of wands, the fire force needs to move on, and what it needs to move on to is the ace of cups. What that says to me is this card, with all its authoritarianism, what it needs to move towards, and it's kind of coldness, mm -hmm. is compassion. 
for the self and for others. I like that a lot. Um, and again, that's that sequence that we've been uh, replicating throughout this discussion of fire, water, air, and earth, always in that order. And yeah, I mean, the idea that the sort of ruthlessness of a 10 with wands, the sort of, you know, the end product of this unslaked ambition is to once again open the heart. Yeah. It's the fire force's last gasp and grasp for control. Right. And uh, so this is this is the final decan, the mutable decan of the mutable sign Sagittarius. So things are passing away. It's also interesting because it takes place between December 13th and December 22. And in that time, we have the solstice. We have the shortest day up here in the northern hemisphere of the year when things are at their darkest before the dawn. Yeah. And which seems very appropriate for this card. <laughs> yeah. And that time of year um, can sometimes feel kind of oppressive, you know, all the, mm -hmm. all the, social pressures around the approaching holiday combined with the lack of sunlight and the seasonal depression that can happen. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yes. And the fact that um, we have the sun at its most up here, we have the sun at its most southernmost point. Um, we also associate wands fire with the south. Um, so this is sort of that last moment before we go into the whole Capricorn Yule Type yeah, season. and the other mm -hmm. interesting thing we should mention about this card, we didn't really talk about in the Eight of Wands and the Nine of Wands that those are both the major decans of the Knight of Wands. Ah, oh, yes. Sagittarius. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. this card, the third decan of Sagittarius, actually belongs to the Queen of Discs, right. who's usually thought of as being Capricorn because she also has the first and second decan of Capricorn. And this card especially has a real Capricorn quality to it being ruled by Saturn and in the, mm -hmm. uh, the universe card for Malkut and Earth and Saturn. Yeah. So we'll review that and talk about it a lot more when we get to courts, but, but that was a reference to, so the way the decans overlap between court cards and yeah, the way so. the first two decans of Sag Sagittarius and the last decan of Scorpio belong, belong to, to the, the Knight or King of Wands, yeah. whereas the the last uh, decan of Sagittarius and the first two decans of Capricorn belong to the Queen of Pentacles. And interestingly enough, today, Mel got the Queen of Pentacles and I got the Knight or King of Wands. So we're kind of covering all the bases here. <laughs> Let's see. We talked a little bit about Malkut uh, and the Ten. Um, and maybe we should, therefore, we should also talk about the Paths of the majors, um, mm -hmm. since we're right there at the bottom of the tree. This one's a really interesting one, too. Just like the last one, we have a middle path situation going on here. Right. But what's different about this one is in the nine, we had the middle path going up from Esod to Tifereth to Keter. With the sun in the middle. Right. Yep. With the sun in the middle. The this time we have... We still have that Sagittarian path from Esod to Tiferet, but we're going below it, um, the universe path between Malkut and Esod. Putting Esod and the moon in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me about that is it doesn't make its way all the way up the tree there. It's like it gets, it gets stopped at a certain point or blocked. Mm -hmm. And there's a real theme 
in this kind of blockage. That's right. We're never going to make it up to the supernals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, we have the themes of enclosure that go with Saturn and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the themes of aspiration that go with temperance or art. Um, but the, those two are, in a sense, at odds with each other. When um, we do these podcasts, we always put up a graphic on the site of the three cards next to each other. And looking at those three cards, you know, the Rider Waite, the Thoth, and the Tabula Mundi next to each other, all that comes to my mind is the burden, the barrier, and the weight. <laughs> I like that. So, you know, yes. the, bur- the, the ten of... Um, the Ten of Wands in the Rider Waite card, he's, you know, got that big burden trying to carry awkwardly this bundle of wands. Yes. And then in the Thoth card, it's like the prison bars and it, there's a blockage going on, a barrier. Mm-hmm. And then in the Tabula Mundi, there's the giant anvil <laughs> weighing things down. So burden, barrier, weight, you, know, you can use yes. those for keywords for this card. Heavy, closed, blocked. Yeah, blocked. Uh, all of the things that the Oppressed. Lord of, uh, Lord of Time is in charge of. And, and, you know, and, and when we talk about Saturn as the ruler of this deck, and let's also remember that Saturn was for centuries as far out as people saw. That was considered the, you know, the limit of our geocentric universe. Uh, so that is how Saturn came to have all of these associations with, with limits and limits and boundaries. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, the buck stops here. You must not pass. Thou shalt not pass. <laughs> All right, thou shalt not pass. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sagittarius is so fiery and visionary, yet it's being just crushed by the weight of Earth and, mm-hmm. you know, responsibility. And there's just a certain imprisoning, stifling quality yeah. to all that Earth. The fire trying to burn through all that. The fire lead. is burning as hot as it can, but it's only got a very short time to do it because it's the shortest day of the, the year. It's, uh, yeah, it's time is limited. The leaden Saturn, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I think of it as putting out the flames. And there's also that feeling with the world, you know, and the finality of the world that you've been carrying this so far, you know, all the way to the 10, you know, I mean, because temperance itself, Ardor Temperance card is not, you know, it's, it's a, the card of Sagittarius is about it's how distant you take it and its ruler is Jupiter. So you have, you know, this, this, the sense of infinity of carrying a crushing burden forever, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah, it's two really opposite things. Yes. You know, there's the expansion of Jupiter with the contraction of Saturn. Yes. Fighting against each other. So this is very similar, the Saturn governing the uh, final decan of Sagittarius has something in common with Saturn governing the first decan of Pisces and the Eight of Cups. You know, again, that Saturn-Jupiter combination. And it's also kind of similar, uh, similar fight going on as we have with, uh, Jupiter ruling the two of discs. First decan yeah. of Capricorn in the two of discs. Right. Except right. there it's expressed in a much more positive way because it's a two. And it's, you know, and the planet itself, Jupiter the benefic, you know, yeah. really outweighs. So, so what we see with these Saturn cards is the planet in the, Saturn in Pisces, Ace of 
Eight of Cups and the Saturn in Sagittarius, Ten of Wands, we're seeing the weight and the character and personality of the planet really outweighing whatever help the sign can give it from uh, from the benefic that governs it. So malefic and the sign of a benefic is always, it appears to be um, going to be more difficult to deal with than a benefic like Jupiter in the sign of a malefic like Saturn, as we saw in the tube discs. These decans are really quite quite heavy, uh, like many, many of them in the, in the ancient imagery. In the Picatrix, we have a man with a cap on his head who is murdering another man, <laughs> meaning evil desires, adverse and evil effects and fickleness in these evil wishes, hatred, dispersion, and evil conduct. Almost sounds like a ten of swords. And in Agrippa, we have a man like in color to gold, or an idle man playing with a staff, signification being following the will and obstinacy in that, and activeness for evil things, contentions, and horrible matters. <laughs> wow, I, I really wonder what we have for Ten of Swords, because, you know, as Crowley, this is there's a very strong connection here with Crowley's conception of the Ten of Wands where he said it's basically force, force upon force, um, mm-hmm. where I'll read the whole quote. It is a stupid and obstinate cruelty from which there is no escape. It is a will which does not understand anything beyond its dull purpose, its lust of result, and will devour itself in the conflagrations it has evoked. Yeah, I like that will with a focus on lust of result. Because there's something about this card that has to do with materiality and greed and the forces of oppression in the world. Yeah, it's unbridled ambition. Another uh, quote of Crowley's that I like in association with this card, he says, The wand has done its work too well. It did not know when to stop. Government has become tyranny. Mm-hmm. And he describes the two dorgies of the two of wands, which we see in the front of the card in front of the eight wands, as having lengthened into bars, like the bars of a prison. And less the result, that's a really interesting term, which I like to talk about, because uh, that's something that when you're dealing with a magical working the thing you want to avoid is lust of results. So when you do magic, the the efficacy of the result depends on your not thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's a fine line to walk because you have to build the energy and the desire, but mm-hmm. you have to be able to release it and yes. let go of it to do its work. You know, it's like if you overthink or, you know, when you're riding a bicycle and you look straight in front of you instead of like 10 feet ahead and you overthink the steering. So you screw yourself up. Less of result is clinging, clinging too much to the thing that you want or obsessing about it. Yeah. Or like if you, you know, say you wanted to go out with someone and you pestered them every five minutes and sent the constant text messages that would be counter to your purpose. Um, Less of result. And by over focusing like that, you're not allowing the magic to go forth and do its will. It needs to breathe, right. which is a theme we will really see in your card. We can go through the cards and just kind yeah. of look at the... Um... Let's do that. In fact, um, you know, since we talked a little bit about uh, the how those Deccan significations sound a little bit like the Ten of Swords, I wanted to point out that the Ten of Wands card in Rider-Waite-Smith is based on the Sola Busca Ten of Swords. 
So if you look at that, and I'll, I'll put up a post. And you look at that image from, uh, from the Solobuska, which was the very first ever, uh, tarot to illustrate the minor arcana with scenic depictions. You see a man carrying 10 swords in just the way that the Waite Smith 10 of wands is carrying the 10 wands. And so the hypothesis is that Pixie, Pamela Coleman Smith, saw the Solobuska and decided she wanted to pick up that theme from yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's obvious that she at some point saw it when you look at the Three of Swords as yes. well, which is almost a, an exact duplicate. Yes, it's basically identical, right? right? And I think in those two, this card and that card, it's probably the most clear. I see two interesting things in this card. The obvious thing that you see is the, the man and his awkward burden. And, you know, one of the meanings of the card is taking on too much, too many duties, and not enough joy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the obvious thing. The less obvious thing is we talked in the, the last two episodes about the position of the wands. Now look at the position of these wands. You see how they're sort of like, they're crossed there, like they're spread out, crossed, sort of forming an X. But notice that the point of crossing where his hand is grasping them and they're kind of all together that uh-huh. if you think of the two paths of this card you have the shorter path between uh, yes. uh Malkut and and then you have the uh longer path going up to uh from Esod to yeah. um to Tiferet yeah of the art card so it's almost again like a visual of the paths in a sort of coded way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes i think i see what it's, you mean they're yeah. not straight up and down but th- mm-hmm. they're as straight up and down as you could probably get 10 wands and still be able to hold them right but it's interesting yeah. he's not holding them at the middle point he's there's there's that two-thirds and one-third division which kind mm-hmm. of if i think of those paths there is almost that ratio going mm-hmm. on yeah, it's very awkward. You're sure he's about to drop them. You're mm-hmm. sure there's going to be a problem. And it's also interesting because, um, you know, there's sort of, he's heading towards a town in the background. And whenever I see a town or, you know, a village, I kind of think of that as a kingdom, you know, like Malkut. Right. Yes. Right. So he's heading towards Malkut. He's heading towards this village. And Wade says, um, it's oppression, but it is also fortune gain, any kind of success, and then it is the opposition of those things. The place he is approaching may suffer from the rods he carries. So there's that, you know, the the ambition that goes with those, you know, the drive, whatever he's going to do, he's doing it, um, and he's not going to take no for an answer. Right. And that's his problem. that also makes me think of the whole theme of like corporate greed yes you know they they benefit through the oppression of the people that work for them right right so which is why it's self-perpetuating okay and then in the um thoth card yeah we've got those really cool looking prison bar uh (laughs) dorje wands in in the foreground and then the wands in the background to me they look like ice Yes. Which I think of the, you know, the coldness. Cold crystalline Saturn. coldness of Saturn. It's just, there's not compassion there at all. Right. He says something about the ends of them being claw-like, you Mm. know, and degraded and not as noble as, you know, in the beginning we had all uh, ones that were basically instruments of power, 
the wands of the adepts uh, in the two and three of wands, I think. And here we have some wand that's just sort of a, a crude tool for creating destruction or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's the yeah. destructive aspect of fire, I guess, in, yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. And you can see little flames sort of enclosed in each wand as if they were plexiglass. I think he <laughs> says of the card it's overbearing force detached from, it might be him or it might be from uh, Liber Theta. I'm not sure. Overbearing force detached from spiritual sources. Right. And then... I think your card is my favorite Ten of Wands ever. Thanks. Um, it really is. I mean, you know, with the, the anvil uh, blocking the opening of the um, amphora so that the, the, the flames can't breathe. Yeah. So we've got um, the uh, crucible from the art card mm-hmm. that uh, that we talked about a little bit in the prior episodes as kind of in shape-wise looking like the symbol for the dragon's tail. Yes, the um, south node, right. So anyway, the crucible is being, it's, it's, a, it's a glass vessel being weighted down by a giant anvil. <laughs> I mean, that's, you can feel the weight of it, you know, and, and that anvil mm. stands for many things. You know, it's, it's the inertia associated with the card. It's the weight of oppression. And it's got inscribed on the anvil, you see the gear, symbol. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that's just because it grinds you down. And it's also a symbol of industrial society and how we're kind of all forced to work here, you know, in that system. And it's not designed for us. Right. I also like the sort of, um, you know, you we're, have many juxtapositions of... We're just another uh, cog, cog in, in, the the, machine. in the machine or just another brick in the wall. You know, I think of that <laughs> right, when I see right. this card. And you also have sort of an implicit uh, confrontation between earth and fire, you know, in the fact that it's a glass crucible, you right. know, because glass being a combination of sand and fire, right. basically. Glass blowing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yep. And yeah, the, and there's uh, there's something about you know the anvil and and smithing, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. So you have the iron, you know, um, the iron earthen. being heated and pounded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the connection with materiality and greed that's associated with this card. There's there's two songs I think of, and the one that makes me think of the connection with materiality and and craving and clinging. There's a Grateful Dead song, and the lyrics go, uh, I don't know, but I've been told it's hard to run with the weight of gold. I don't <laughs> right. know, but I've heard it said it's just as hard with the weight of lead. <laughs> right. So I don't right. know, the set, the lead of Saturn, the weight, the, yes. you know, the materiality of gold and greed. So those lyrics kind of pop into my head sometimes with this card. And then the other lyrics, that I think I joked about with you earlier that pop into my head with this card show the more positive aspect of the card. Um, it's the song The Weight by mm. the band. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. a load off Fanny and put the load <laughs> on me. So, Because the good aspect of this card, if you can see it that way, is the person that takes on a lot for others. There's a sort of self sacrificing mm-hmm. quality to the card where you're you're taking on burdens it's the person who's trying to be helpful often mm-hmm. that gets gets loaded with the stuff, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> right. The yeah. task there that can no be one a, else wants to do. There can be, yeah, for sure. There can be a positive um, 
interpretation, a positive spin in that way. And it's also interesting because, you know, as you were talking about lead into gold, I was thinking about how, you know, first of all, the connection between lead of Malkut and gold of Tiferet, and the idea that in the 10, it's almost like the gold is only valued for its monetary purpose. Whereas in alchemy, we think of gold as being a spiritual right. uh, transformation yeah. of lead into gold. So, And that's you know, really interesting because the, the, that's the top and bottom end of the two paths. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. So, you know, through the transformative power of the moon, you know, um, but the message that we're taking away in this card is that gold is just gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavy. It's heavy. Whereas, I mean, I guess... You know, I'm trying to think of what card would sort of represent looking at it from the other direction, you know, where, where, you know, one of the six cards maybe where gold, right. where we transform the lead of who we are into the gold. Right. You know, probably the, the six of wands would be one. Yeah. Or the sun in Scorpio, the six of cups. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Interesting. And you see in, um, to go back to this card, you can kind of see the fire is nearly out. Yes. Um, it's, there's a little flame there and, um, the smoke kind of rising. It's smoky fire. I just love that about stifling. this card. It's stifled and stifling. Do you know when I get this card from your deck, I often have gotten the fool with it, which is so interesting because it's like ah. the remedy is to take in more air. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's definitely being stifled and, and choked for air. That's yeah. Great. So, you know, I'm always thinking, just breathe, just breathe. <laughs> right. And the, um, the other things in the card you see, it's it's subtle, but if you look, you'll see that shape around the back of it, the oval shape. It's actually the serpent mm-hmm. boundary from the universe card, and that again speaks of boundaries and and things encapsulated. Yeah. And the last thing in the card would be the two wands in the foreground. Ab- in front of the eight, so there's ten in all, but they're actually in the hammer and sickle, which is a symbol of the working class and uh, oppression. You could have done a hammer and sickle. Oh, a sorry, sickle you is said very, the hammer and is very Saturnine, but right. this is the sa- the hammer and pick, which is pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, in yeah. a way that goes with the anvil. You know, it's it's the yeah, it looks more like a wand too. <laughs> proletarian struggle that is part of life but as we talked about with the progression of a 10 to the ace of the next world Mm -hmm. the antidote for this is empathy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. either for yourself or for others because you can be oppressed by the outside world or you can take on too much by choice. So one of the things when I get this card is I ask myself, are you taking on this burden through choice or necessity? Who's yeah. doing the oppressing? And who here? is it for? Right. <laughs> right. And so you, if, you know, you have to bring in that compassion and empathy if you can for yourself, right. if it's you doing it to yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, looking at the Rider Wade Smith card when they see it, they're like, oh, God, people really identify with this card, too. They see it and they're like, God, that's exactly how I feel. Mm. And the question is, you know, those wands are very awkwardly balanced and they're coming down at some point. Are you going to throw them behind you or in front of you so you have to pick them all up again is the question. 
Another theme I see, you know, wands in general, I think of them a lot associated with creativity. Yeah. And this is the drudgery part of creativity. I mean, it's the part you actually have to work to, you know, carry that vision through. It's not yeah. fun. It's yeah. not the fun part. It's right. creativity. Actually, if you look at each of the wands, if you think of the um, the eight of wands is kind of wands, so creativity, and then Mercury, it's creativity through thinking. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the nine of wands, it's creativity through the moon, so it would be creativity through change. Through change. And then you've yeah. got here with Saturn and wands, it's creativity through drudgery, you yes. know, or, or yes. creativity being kind of oppressed by the drudgery. The 99% perspiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, I mean, you know, it reminds me, because the world we always see as such a positive card, uh, the world or universe, but it is also worldly. It is of, you know, dealing with the realities of things and what you have to do to succeed, you know, and this, and the art of temperance card drives you to do that. But, you know, it does mean moving a whole lot of earth around. Right. Yeah. The weight of the universe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you yeah. think of it that way. Yeah. It's like it's Atlas carrying of... the world on his yeah. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think of Hephaestus, the, the smith. Yes. You know, it takes a lot of strength to, to wield the hammer mm-hmm. and, and the anvil, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Because you have, you know, the, the, both the, the fire. The fire uh, and, and the, the iron. The, yeah. Yeah. The lead. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the colors. Oh, we can yes. do the colors. So the, the main color is yellow. Um, and then you have the colors of the art card, Sagittarius, which again are blue, yellow, green and vivid dark blue mm. and then you have the colors of the universe which i really like the the indigo black blue black and black red blue mm-hmm. um you know heavy and saturnine with with the dark blues and the blacks but i've always liked the colors nonetheless i do like dark colors I like bright colors yeah. too. <laughs> the only thing I don't like are wishy washy <laughs> pastels. Yeah, I, I don't like pastels. I just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, that's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the things again that I like in your Ten of Wands cards is the same. The same thing that I like in the Eight and the Nine is that bright contrast between the yellow and the black. It just feels mm. like you know an incandescent bulb in the dark of night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really love the combination of yellow and blue, or yellow and black. They just really offset mm-hmm. each other so well because one speaks of daylight and one speaks of night. They're like complete opposites, and they really vibrate against each other. Yeah, and you can see those. uh very uh, Saturnine blues and blues, blue blacks in Crowley's card as well. Though, for whatever reason, he chose to go with orange rather than yellow in the yeah. background, or at least it's mm. it's a very orangey yellow if it's yellow. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a if lot you, of the time, if you think of the destructive aspect of fire, maybe there's a little bit of Gavura going on there. He's- and generally, when he, when in this deck, the red colors do correspond to fiery things, whereas the yellow corresponds more to air. Yeah. So I guess yep. that's why. Um, you know, I didn't count or really look into the, um, flames on on the Crowley card. Oh boy, They're a kind lot, of a lot. Quite a lot of flames. It's kind of like all over the place. Either. Yeah. It's 
there's a symmetry to them. So there's, you know, three at each kind of cardinal point and then three more between the ones. You know, actually, did I count that right? Did I count 21? Nope. I think there would be like 24 and then the interior ones. Right. So oh, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, that too. there's all yep. these tiny little flames. I don't think they're meant to be counted really, maybe, because mm-hmm. there's so many. I don't know. And they're really kind of pale. You know, they, they're hard to even see. Yeah. Which maybe speaks to the fact that the fire is on its way out. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at a, you know, at a feeble fire, it is like that. There's just like a lot of little tiny points rather than the great gouts of flame that you see in a full blown fire. You even have some of the yellows and blues in the Waite Smith card, although mm-hmm. they don't often follow yeah, that's that. True. But he's got that's the true. yellow hair and the yellow yeah. tights and the yellow ground with the blue sky. Right, right. There's some of that. Yeah, interesting. All right. So, so do you hate getting this card? <laughs> it's not one of my most hated cards to you get. You don't like Put the seven of discs, and for example, yeah, you really I hate really that one. don't like failure. Sorry. <laughs> That's one that I don't like. Um, there's a couple others that I dislike more than this one, but you know, nobody really likes to see this one. It's right. Not pleasant. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I was looking up what happened on days when I got this and I had a lot of really long drives that I could just barely handle, you know, sort of like when you're driving and it's just force of will that's keeping you focused endurance. on the road. Endurance. Yeah. yeah. This, that's another theme of this card, I think, is endurance. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, you know, the kind of thing where you have to get up in the middle of the night to drive somebody to the airport kind of a thing. And there you go. There's the <laughs> generosity of taking on someone's burden. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The driving someone to the airport, that's a perfect example. Exactly. And you know what's wants interesting? To do that? Nobody wants to do that. And funny thing, I but got you that. Take it on. I've got that twice for driving someone to the airport. And in that case, it was my son, who is a nationally ranked fencer. And in both cases, he won his tournament. And it was like, you know, the, the, I, it made me reflect back to the, um, weights delineation for this card where he says, um, that it's also fortune gain and any kind of success. So there's like, you know, great effort and great achievement that can go hand in hand in this card, even though it's not necessarily yeah. going to be fun. It's still Sagittarius, easy. which is That's associated right. with Jupiter, the fortune card. That's right. That's right. So that, that can happen. Um, but mostly it's just like, <laughs> I have like, you know, moody, tired, depressed, tired, <laughs> exhausted, tired. You know, yeah, just like exhaustion. Yeah, trying to do sure. way too much. Yep. And, uh, you know, difficulty, like, handling my kids kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I see that. And I also get it for, like, when somebody's being up against the immovable force, you know, the 800-pound gorilla, yeah. you know, the, the thing you can't fight. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, the boss mm-hmm. or a... Uh, government agency or you know what i mean <laughs> something IRS. that is just too big you're not gonna win yeah you know yeah, yeah, they yeah. have too much force and power in the situation yeah and you know what's funny is that okay so we've talked about papus's dialectic a little bit in our previous uh episodes and papus's dialectic basically accounts for one through nine you know it's a it's a ninefold system but it's concentrates on one through nine rather than two to t- two through ten and the tenth is considered uncertainty 
So, you know, that captures that sort of transitional nature of the 10 where it's done with one thing, but not yet in the next. Yeah. There's a possibility for a breakthrough, but it hasn't happened yet. Yes, for sure. Oh, well, I guess we're done with it. Thank God. <laughs> okay. So, um, so we've talked about a whole bunch of things. Um, we've talked about, uh, primarily about, you know, oppression and greed and, uh, unchecked ambition and what proceeds as a consequence of that. Authority issues, obligations and endurance, taking on too much. The limitations of Saturn. Uh, in the sign of Jupiter. The struggle of the working class. The shortness of the day and the diminution of the light. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, it gets better from here. <laughs> sure does. It only goes up from here. Yeah, yeah and that's kind of like the, that point of the year. At least if you're in the northern hemisphere, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter until they hit that shortest point right at the end of this decade. And then things right. have to... You might not notice it right away, but the days will start getting longer. And they will. that sense of oppressiveness of the dark will lighten. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we really feel that when we turn into the first decade of Capricorn, which unfortunately is not going to be the next card on our list, but still, it's something to think about. All right. Anything else? No, I think I think that's it. That's it. Okay. Well, uh, we hope that uh, this has helped everyone to kind of uh, get a better feeling for what can be a very difficult card and uh, give you some ideas about what you can do with it, both how to breathe in to, to give some more energy to the fire of life or to transform the burden into something dedicated to someone else's benefit to turn the burden into altruism. And we'll be back next time, starting with some wand court cards, the first court cards we're going to do. So stay tuned. And that's our episode for this week. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, and really, who doesn't, you may want to pick up the book version of the podcast. It's called Tarot Deciphered, Decoding Esoteric Symbolism in Modern Tarot, and it's available both online and in bookstores. In Tarot Deciphered, you can find just about everything we talk about in the podcast. Well, almost everything. There aren't quite so many dick jokes. And it's over 600 pages, so when you're not reading it, you can use it as a doorstop, or a paperweight, or a flower press. Whatever floats your boat. If you'd like to connect with over a thousand smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends on social media, you can visit the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook, which is open to all. Many of us, including myself, are there every day posting our daily draws and spells to go with them, and it's a great place to see esoteric tarot in action. Fortune's Wheelhouse has a red bubble shop where you can load up on Fortune's Wheelhouse merch, including coffee mugs, t-shirts, and notebooks printed with all the astrological correspondences of the minor arcana, because we are nerds. That is at redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's main store, where you can read her articles and subscribe to her newsletter, is at tarotcart.com. Her auction site, which has periodic offerings of out-of-print items, one-of-a-kind items, art prints, and original art, is at tarotcart.auction. And her website for new work and updates on her projects is, as always, tabulamundi.com. You can find me at tsusanchang.com, 
where you can find links to my classes, sign up for a reading or mentorship session, and learn about my upcoming events. And if you're interested in my custom arcana cases and silken brocade for your decks and my customized astrological perfumes, you can find those at etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. You can also get talismanic eight of wands, keychains and luggage tags there because everybody needs those. So come visit us online and pick up something wonderful for a tarot loving friend or just for yourself because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support. <laughs>